All right, I'm going to jump into this series right now because I'm so excited about it. Uh, we're talking about pregnant hope today, and I am pregnant with this message. I have to deli- I'm, I'm in transition labor right now in the spirit, all right? Uh, I'm not going to breathe heavy, but I am going to deliver a, a message of hope that I am incredibly excited about. But you know, I shared with you uh, why are we doing this series. There's so many of you that are new to our culture, and I've shared over the last couple of weeks. It's really important. The Bible says, how can you walk together in agreement, or how can you walk two people walk together unless there's agreement you have to understand who we are and where we're headed and why we are the way that we are and i encourage you that you know it's not about good church bad church or this or that Um, there's great churches all over and every single one of them has a unique culture you could go to lots of different churches this morning and you'll get a completely different feel you'll experience a completely different culture it's not necessarily good or bad it's just different because here's why there's different people different gifts different vision uh different assignment from the lord and so living stones will look and taste and feel different than the church down the street um but we celebrate them all how many know we love the body of christ this isn't about good church bad church. we love the body of christ but we just want you to know if you're here this is what to expect how many of you think that might be a good idea so you don't walk into something like for instance last week we said living stones is a church that wants to be a bold faith church we want to get out of the boat first we're not the church that plays it safe now, i'm sharing this with you so some of you can take off running right now all right because because I do not want to add misery to your life or anxiety to your life I'm just being upfront with you right from the get-go I received, I'm on a, I'm on a um, ministerial association email. And when our governor said the church is essential and that the church is ready to open, guess what Living Stones did? We open. We're not dummies. We open. The governor says, oh, we're essential. I, we agree. We're open. One of the pastors on that email chain said this, I'm not going to open our church and become a guinea pig for the governor. We're not going to open until a... A uh, vaccination is created, and, uh, and we're not going to endanger our people, and blah, 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 blah. And I just sat there going, wow, I am from another planet, because that is the last thing I would think. That is the last way we would act. That is that we would never interpret a go sign as a, as a sign to wait or that the governor was setting us up for disaster. In fact, we don't have faith for disaster. We have faith for blessing. We don't have faith for the worst case scenario. We have faith for the best case scenario. We're not a church that shrinks back. So we're going to stick our necks out. We're going to believe God. We're going to honor God with bold faith. We're going to expect God to do great things because God is an all-powerful God. And we're going to believe God to perform amazing miracles in our midst because He's a kind and compassionate God. We're not a church that plays it safe. And I want to encourage you, don't be a believer who plays it safe. In fact, can I just say this? The safest place... No, I want to change my talk. Be a believer who plays it safe. The safest place is to radically pursue God in bold faith. That's the safest place. So I'm all about safety here. There is no fear, or there is no safety in fear. But there is safety smack dab believing God and standing on His promises right in the center of God's will. That's where we want to be. Amen. Come on, that's where we want to be. Give the Lord a shout for that. Lord, do it. Do it. Now let me move on to the second point. I'm so excited about it. You know, when you talk about who you are, you get excited. 
We are a church of pregnant hope, and we are filled with anticipation for what God is going to do. Now, I love that, for that adjective, pregnant hope, because we've all experienced somebody in our lives, maybe you personally, you, you, you received it, that seed, that promise, there's conception, and then you watch it grow from promise to fulfillment until you hold that baby in your arms. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What happens through that whole nine-month cycle? Expectation grows. So does your tummy, all right? So does your womb. Speaking to the ladies, all right, just to make sure we know who I'm talking to this morning. How many of you know it is so fitting that we're talking about this virtue called hope because we're in the season that is, that is called Advent. Advent is a nice Latin word. It simply means the arrival or coming. And so here's what's happening. What are we doing this week? We are getting ready to celebrate the arrival or the coming of Jesus, His incarnation. But how many of you know we don't have one arrival in the Christian faith? We are waiting for the second arrival. We have a beginning arrival, but we have an ending arrival. How many of you know the fact that Jesus came the first time is the promise that He's going to come again? And so we are literally between two bookends, the first advent, and the last advent. Are you with me? We're living in this time in between. And let me just tell you what is absolutely essential when you're living between these two bookends is having a sense of expectant or pregnant hope. Hope is what carries us from one promise to the fulfillment of the next promise. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Bible says this. I'm going to give you some some bullet points here. And, And this is who we are. So when I say we, I'm talking about this is our culture, all right? We're going to steal the words from Paul here. We will live in eager expectation and hope. Can you say amen to that? In fact, I want you all to talk back to me this morning. Some of you guys got to help me out, all right? We are living in eager expectation and hope. All right, some of you again, I'm going I'm I'm to convert you all by the end of the service, all right? This is what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1, verse 20. I live in eager expectation and hope. Now, I just got to pause right there. When your eyes open in the morning, what is going on in your heart? Are you expecting doom and gloom? Are you expecting things to go from bad to worse? Or are you opening your eyes and saying... I am moving in a spirit of expectation and hope. How many of you still have some things in your life you're believing God for? How many of you still need breakthrough? How many of you still have maybe people in your family that aren't following Jesus? How many of you need relational breakthrough? You need breakthrough in your work or your workplace. How many of you are still believing God for something? So here's the point. When your eyes open, Paul said, I live in a sense of eager expectation and hope. That's what we need to do. We need, where does this hope come from? It comes from the promises of God, and it's rooted in the work of Jesus Christ. How many of you know everything Christ died for on the cross is part of our inheritance? The job of faith is to reach out and grab a hold of the hope that He has given to us as a gift. The hope is not empty. It's not shallow hope. It's hope that's rooted. It's hope that has teeth you know, sunk into some meat, all right? It's real hope. That's what we talk about. That's what we believe in. You know, I tell people every time I have a chance at a funeral, and I appreciate being able to come at those moments of, of deep loss and pain, and listen, to offer real hope to people. Not cotton candy hope. Not he's in a better place hope. Not, you know, he was a good person hope. That hope doesn't satisfy. I'm talking about hope that has teeth, hope that latches onto a stake. It's called the work of Jesus Christ and all the promises of God. That's the kind of hope that people need, and that's the kind of hope that we deal. Biblical hope 
is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, we're, we're on the precipice of, of winding down a, a year. I use the word unprecedented because it's like the word of the year, right? Unprecedented. Nobody has experienced a year like this year. But how many of you know God did great things in 2020? The Lord was still on His throne in 2020. And while we're in the midst of tons of uncertainty about where we're headed for 2021, can I just tell you something? I am so excited to step across from 2020 into 2021. Not because I'm miserable and I'm hoping things get better. That's not biblical hope. I just hope it gets better. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is an expectation that it will happen. Not that it could happen, that it will happen. It's a confidence that God is going to perform what he said he was going to perform. It's a moral certainty that the good that we expect and desire is going to be done. And where does this hope come from? It comes out of the hearts of people who walk with God. We shared last week, hey, if God is all-powerful, he is a great God, can you trust him? Absolutely. We said last week, God is a good God, which means he's kind and merciful. It means his default position is to care and to love his kids. If you are a good father and you're getting ready to bless your children with some choice gifts under the Christmas tree in a few days, how much more does your heavenly father wait in anticipation to show his kindness to you? So he's powerful and he's kind, which means my orientation toward the future is that God's still going to be powerful and kind. He has not changed. Aren't you grateful God doesn't change? So how do we live our lives? We are looking forward to the next great thing God is going to do. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 42, verse 11. But, oh, my soul, he said, don't be discouraged. Don't be upset. How many of you have ever spoken to your soul? What is your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. How many of you know you've got to deal with your mind that wants to go negative, with your will that is sometimes enslaved to carnal things, with your emotions that are so quick to go south on you and to be depressed and discouraged? Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is what the psalmist said. He starts preaching. Don't be discouraged. Who's he preaching to? He's preaching to himself. Don't be upset. Look at what he says next. Expect God to act. I'm going to say that again. Expect God to act. That's what hope does. For I know that I shall again have plenty of reason to praise him for all that he will do. For he is my help and he is my God. Did you hear what he said? I know I will have plenty of reasons to praise him in the future for what he is getting ready to do. Why? He's my help and he is my God. Let me ask you this question this morning. Can you personalize that? If God is your helper, if he's your God, You'll be a person who's a prisoner of hope. You'll be somebody whose life is marked by hope. Hope is the essential ingredient that keeps us connected to, to uh, the Lord in the midst of the promise already given and fulfilled and the future promise to come. Now let me move to the second point here. This is really important. Expectation creates an environment for the miraculous. How many of you want to be a part of the church where God does awesome God stuff? Or do you just want to, or do you guys just want to be part of a religious church 
Or do you want to be part of a religious church that just reads the Bible and say, wow, look at all the cool things God did back then. I mean, I'm being real. If you want to move and see the supernatural, you must be pregnant with hope. Because hope creates an environment that says it doesn't matter what things look like. I'm choosing to believe in who God is and what God wants to do. That's what hope does. And I'm just going to tell you this. God does not inhabit environments full of unbelief, cynicism, doubt. That's not where he hangs out. He's like, you know what? I've revealed myself. I've demonstrated my goodness. You guys got to believe. You got to have bold faith. And bold faith leads to a confident expectation that, you know what? This might be where I'm at right now, but this is not where we're staying. We're moving forward. We're moving forward in the promises of God. Now, listen to me. We are celebrating Christmas, but I want you to understand the context of Christmas. Imagine 400 years of silence on God's part. Now, America's not even close to 400 years, all right? Imagine 400 years where God is not speaking. From Malachi until Matthew in our Bibles, God's not speaking. He's not speaking through the prophets. He's quiet. This hit me this week. Here's the question I'm asking you. How was it that people took that baton of hope Hope of the Messiah coming. Hope of the Deliverer. Hope that, 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 that this man, Jesus Christ, was going to come. That he would be born. That the Messiah was going to come. Deliver his people. Provide salvation. Hope, 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 hope. 400 years. How many generations is that of people that held on to that baton and passes to the next generation? Now, let me tell you what's important right now. You look on the stage. I told you we love to go big with decoration. Everything that you see in this building took about 100 people about 24 hours of hard work to do. I mean, that, that takes effort. But aren't you grateful for the candles, for the beauty, for the, for the trees, for the gifts, for the singing, for the Christmas music? We sung this morning, the old stuff, the stuff that's fresh off the heart of the Holy Spirit, everything in between. It's about Jesus. It's about how many of you went out and bought Christmas presents this week? You're going to give Christmas gifts this week. This is all part of tradition, and I want you to see this. It's tradition, good tradition, that anchors us in hope so that we stay full of faith while we move from the promise already given and one fulfilled to the promise that's yet to come. So why do we do all this? Why are we gathering together? I want to take a baton of hope and say to my kids, Jesus is coming. We celebrate his birth. All these gifts we give are nothing compared to Jesus. But guess what? My generation is going to pass it to your generation. We're not giving up the hope. Christ is going to come. He was born, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Forty days later, he ascended right before their eyes to the Father's right hand. The second advent is coming. It's absolutely sure. How long will it take, Pastor? I don't know, but I'm holding on to hope. I'm declaring it. I'm looking forward to it. That's what we do. Some people have almost like an anti- Christmas spirit, you know, all oh, those demonic Christmas trees. No, they're not demonic Christmas trees. They anchor us to traditions that connect us directly with truth. It's the truth that we hold on. It's the awe, it's the wonder of this season that keeps us anchored in hope. We end the year in hope. I want you to see it. We end the year in hope. And we begin the year in bold faith. That's the way we roll. That's called being a Christian. And so for 400 years, 
people are passing the baton. Now, Paul said in Romans chapter, chapter 8, verse 25, who hopes for what they already have? It wouldn't be hope if you already had it. He says, if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now, all through history, there have been people that patiently have passed the baton, run with the, the baton, held on to that baton of hope. And I want us to look at a couple this morning. God has always had a faithful remnant. How many of you want to be faithful in this day and age? I don't care how many Christians are going AWOL. I don't care how much apostasy is in the church. I don't, I don't care how much people are losing their passion for God or church is going off or whatever. Listen, may it not be said about us. May it not be said about us. My focus is we want to be found faithful. Let's be a remnant church. Let's be a church on fire for the things of God. Let's be a church that's so countercultural, people are scratching their head. They're not sure if they want to come in these doors, just like the early church. What are we going to find there? Those people are really serious about their worship. Scary, scary serious. Yes, we are. Those people get kind of emotional. Yes, we do. Because it's real. It's not a joke. It's not fake. We want to be a remnant church that's going after God. Now, I love the Bible's witness about two you know, prisoners of hope that we find. I, the point is this. Expectation creates an environment for the miraculous. Now, look at the witness of Simeon in Luke chapter 2. At that time, I'm reading verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And look at what he's doing. He's eagerly awaiting. Everybody say eagerly awaiting eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. This is 400 years people have been waiting. But guess what? There's people on planet Earth that have an eager expectation for the promise to be fulfilled after 400 years of nothing. This is incredible. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, this is awesome. This man is in a posture of expectant hope. He is a God-seeker. Simeon's name means God hears. He is somebody that believes God hears. He's pursuing the Lord. How many of you know when you're full of hope, you're somebody that's in agreement with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be upon you. Listen, when you're walking around depressed and gloomy and, and full of cynicism and all kinds of stuff, the Holy Spirit's not hanging out with you because he's completely against his nature. If you want to move with the Holy Spirit, you have to move in a spirit of hope. You have to move in a spirit of faith. Here's this man, he's been faithful, he's been praying. One day, while he's being faithful, how many of you have had quiet times and you develop regular patterns to receive the grace of God in your life? And you know what, sometimes you have a quiet time and it's okay, and other times you have a quiet time, God shows up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit penetrates your heart. You begin weeping. You're like, what in the world? You feel the love of Jesus all over you. Well, this is what happens to Simeon. One day he's doing his thing. He's pursuing God. He's saying, God, I want to see the Messiah with my own eyes. That's my passion. And the Holy Spirit says to him, you will. What? How many of you know what I'm talking about when God speaks to you? When you're crying, God speaks to you. What happens in your heart? Joy. Expectation. Look at what happens. I love this story. Everybody say, that day. <laughs> that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. (laughs) This is so cool. So here's a man living in hope, crying out. What's he crying out for? For the will of God to be done. Bring your Messiah. For your name's sake, God, for the sake of your people, bring your Messiah. This is like modern-day people crying out for revival. Lord, we need more. God, we're hungry. God, pour out your spirit in the earth. Lord, help us in America. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. And then one day as he's doing that, God speaks, and then the Holy Spirit leads him. Check this out. Here we got the Holy Spirit leading Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus. They come in the one door. Simeon comes in the other door, and they meet, and there's a divine encounter. And at that moment, Simeon sees with his eyes everything he has spent his entire life praying for. And I love what it says, Simeon was there. What's there? At your point of divine appointment, when you've cried out to God and you're believing God and all of a sudden you're like, Joseph, I have all those dreams and everything you're praying for. And maybe you go through hard times, you're in prison, you, people speak falsely about you. You know, you, you know, everything goes wrong. But in the midst of that, you're a prisoner of hope. And one day, just like Joseph, you're standing there and there's your brothers in front of you and you realize, I was where I needed to be at the right time God just fulfilled his word in my life when you move in a spirit of hope even as Paul said against all hope Abraham believed when hope wasn't the fashionable thing he he hoped anyway and when you move in a spirit of hope you align yourself to divine encounters and divine appointments the destiny of God comes comes together in your life Look who else. We have another amazing hope dealer here in the Bible at the birth of Jesus, and that is the witness of, excuse me, the witness of Anna, whose name means grace. This is in Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Anna was a prophet, and she was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. Let me just pause right here. How many of you know hope doesn't mean everything turns out rosy and goes perfectly? How would you like to be a newlywed or relatively newlywed? She's only married seven years. Uh, let's just say she marries the love of her life. Life's just getting going, and all of a sudden we don't know the circumstances, but her, she loses her husband. Now, can I just share with you, uh, hope does not ignore the harsh realities of this life. There are people in this room that have lost loved ones. There are people in this room. Can you imagine the pain of a woman who is now widowed and uh, basically for the next all the way up to 84, when we read about her here, she has lived as a single woman. Stuff happens. Painful things happen. But here's what she did, and I want you to see this. Sometimes people get so mired down in the pain and in the loss and in the grief that they can't get their eyes off of, in a sense, the rearview mirror of what happened to them. But I want you to see what Anna did. Her name means grace. Anna turned to the Lord. I mean, you know, when we turn to the Lord, we receive grace. She turned and she redirected her focus. She didn't focus on what she lost. She began to focus in hope on what she wanted to gain. She took her eyes off of her spouse. 
And she got her eyes on her her beloved bride, Jesus Christ, on the Messiah. And she began to say, I want to spend my life pressing in, hoping, praying, fasting, seeking God. It says for the rest of her days after that seven-year period when she was married, the rest of her days as a widow, that she spent that time in the temple day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And look at what verse 38 says. She comes along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been, here it is again, waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. I get amazed at how in the whole scope of human history, God Almighty in His goodness and His providence could arrange for Mary and Joseph to show up at this time, for Simeon to be showing up right at that time, for Anna to be showing up right at that time, and they all meet out in the foyer when they're getting ready to have a cup of coffee uh, and to enjoy a wonderful, you know, uh, French pastry together. And they, and, and they have this divine moment when all the hopes coalesce together and there's this eruption of joy and faith. Can I just, can I just tell you that that is your 2021 if you'll move in hope? You will be going, how in the world did that happen? Or you can get stuck in the past and get bitter and get discouraged and get disappointed and just quit on life. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to pile on anybody today, but the Bible says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. So this leads me to the third point quickly this morning. We're going to remain hopeful and we're going to endure even in the hard times. Why do you remain hopeful in the hard times? Because you know God's track record in the past and you know that if you remain faithful and stay in a position of hope, it is a weapon against the devil. Let me show you how this works. Look, at, look with me when Jeremiah is writing the book of Lamentations in, in chapter 3 of Lamentations. Uh, Jeremiah says this, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Aren't you grateful for honest biblical writers? Who in this room has not experienced the bitter taste of loss and grief and pain and betrayal and some of the other things we go through? He said it was an awful time. He said, I'm grieving. Can I just encourage everybody? Make sure you grieve your losses. There's nothing the matter with grieving a loss. The problem is the Bible says we don't grieve as people without hope. You mix hope in to the loss and amazing things happen. In fact, look at what Jeremiah says next. I'm never going to forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope. Can I tell you, hope is a daring response to when life deals you, you pain. Because you know what hope says when you're down? How many know the devil likes to pile on when you're down? And, and he'll send other people unwittingly who, who will say the cra- craziest things when you're hurting the most that just mm, stick it right in there. You know what I'm talking about? It is daring to hope when you're down. Because what you're saying is this. 
It doesn't feel like God's moving. It doesn't seem like he's moving. But you know what? He never stops. He never stops working. It doesn't matter what I feel. He never stops. He never stops working. It doesn't matter when the devil's telling me, where is your God? The devil, shut up. My God hasn't left me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. It doesn't feel like his presence is near now, but it is near now because I'm going to believe the truth. Oh, look at you. You're never going to get up. Oh, I'm going to get up. You haven't seen yet what's going to happen. We're just beginning. God's teaching me through this. I'm coming out stronger on the other side. There's a greater blessing in the future for me that's going to make this present pain feel like nothing compared to the glory that's awaiting me. You start preaching back to the enemy and you dare to hope. Some of you I want to tell you today, I double dog dare you to hope. To declare that God is faithful. God is true. God is for you. He's not against you. Dare to hope in the midst of your pain. And watch what God does. Dare to hope. Look at what he goes on to say. I'm going to dare to hope. When I remember this, we have got to remember things. We have to have a good memory when we're in the midst of our painful season. Here's what he remembers. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy toward me never ceases. When you're experiencing a loss or pain or suffering, can you remind yourself mercy is being released? Blessing is being released. God's care is being released. God's mercy, His his faithful love never ceases flowing to my life. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. How about instead of our feet hitting and we wake up and we say, oh God, it's another day. How about when our feet hit the ground, we say, oh God, your mercies are new in my life today. I'm going to walk in your blessing. I'm going to see the fulfillment of promises today. I will see my hope realized even today. That is my expectation. You're a good God. I trust you, Lord, with my life. He said, I will say to myself, this means he's preaching to himself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, 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 circle that, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and to those who search for him. Can I just tell you, Christianity is not a a socialistic system, all right? God does not redistribute grace. I'm just telling you. God does not redistribute grace. Everybody does not get a chicken in their pot. Can I, can I tell you something? The Lord's eyes range to and fro throughout the earth. Who is He looking for? Looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Let me tell you who. Looking for those who hope in him, looking for those who in the midst of difficult times are saying, God, I hurt right now, but I'm going to dare to hope. Lord, I trust you in this situation. Lord, fear is trying to come in, but I'm preaching to myself. Fear, get out of my life. I am putting my hope in God. Lord, you've been faithful to me. You've been faithful all these years. I recall the mercies of God. And Lord, your mercies are new in the future, every morning waiting for me. So Lord, I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to put my hope in you. Well, what does the Bible say God does to people who hope in him? It says it right here. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Hope searches for God when God cannot be found. Hope goes on a search because hope knows who God is and hope goes after God until they find him. And listen to me, God says, I like those kind of people. 
Oh, but pastor, the Lord loves us all. Yes, he does. But I'll tell you this, his delight is in those who fear him and those who tremble at his word and those who honor him and obey him and place their hope in him. God's favor is on you. You know what? When God's hand is on your life, his touch is on your life, that gives you everything you need for victory in life. There's nothing more important. How many of you want the Lord's attention on you? Let me tell you how to lose the Lord's attention. Walk in unbelief and hopelessness and watch the Lord sleep. I, mean, I need to look for somebody else I can find agreement with. It's not that God stops loving you. He cannot move when there's unbelief and hopelessness and fear and doubt. He's looking for agreement from you. Hope just simply says, I know who God is. And I know that even now it doesn't look like that's who he is. He has not changed. And he's going to be faithful again. Hope is what you hold on to in, in the in-between. In-between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. So I just want you to give me some amens here. I want to make sure you're at the right church, all right? Y'all still with me? So we're, so we're going to put our hope in the Lord, which means, listen to this. You can say amen if, you, if you're latching on to this. We're just choosing to believe in a greater reality and that the story is not finished yet. So how many believe hope says your best days are still ahead of you? Amen. So you're saying, Pastor, that's, you're just giving us positive motivational speech or something. No, I'm not. Your best days with God are always ahead of you. They're ahead of you. That's what hope does. It launches you into the next season of what God is doing in your life. So you know what? When the tomb looks like there's a big rock over it and there's all kinds of guards out front, hope says, you know what? It's looking pretty bad right now. But the story's not over yet. Some of you need to hear this prophetically in your life. I know the season that you're in. You can live in that chapter forever or you can believe there's another chapter coming. Hope, put, hope says, keep reading. Keep flipping the pages. So how about this? We're not going to succumb to the suffocating effects of hopelessness and despair. Can I get an amen on that? This is not the first church of despair. All right? We reject fatalism. Nothing's going to ever change. Shut up. We reject that kind of talk. It dishonors God. What is impossible for God to change? So agree with God. We're going to reject this jaded cynicism that's becoming so much a part of the American culture that says things cannot, things will not change. We're not believing that. We're going to avoid negativity, Amen. pessimism, Amen. complaining, Amen. murmuring, Amen. gossiping, Amen. not part of our church. In fact, I want to tell you this. Don't you come and pee in our pool and then expect us to swim with you. All right? <laughs> Okay, I, I, had to, I had to get out of the theological down in the, where everybody understands. You got a swimming pool? Last thing you want is a little neighborhood kid to come over and share his wealth with you, all right? No. No, 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 no. Don't be peeing in the pool. What does that mean? Don't come into this place and be negative and gossipy and murmur and critical and fill the place with doubt like the 12 spies, right, when they came back and 10 of them were peeing in the pool. We ain't doing that here. 
Life is too short. Let's spur one another on to good works. Let's believe the best. If someone's down, say, hey, 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 hey. I know you're down. It's not over yet. Let's pray right now. Encourage people. Buy them a cup of coffee. Give them a hug. Go to their house. Whatever you got to do, lift them out of depression and discouragement, and we're going to be prisoners of hope in this place, all right? We are hope dealers here at Living Stones. We want a reputation of being hope dealers. People come here, they need a high. They're going to come here, we're going to give them the stuff, all right? I'm preaching my wife's message now. All right. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope, God says. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. Oh, this is so good. These people are walking in chains as exiles in a foreign land because of their sin. And God speaks through the prophet and calls them prisoners of hope. Somebody in that group was remembering the good old days and asking for deliverance. And God saw that. And this is what the Lord said. Even today, even today, double for you. You're walking with chains on alien strangers in a foreign country. And the prophet says today, 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 Double blessing is on your life. How many of you know they could look like, who's he talking to? <laughs> or somebody with hope just said, hallelujah. We're not going to stay here forever. We're not going to stay in bondage forever. There is a preferred future and a hope. God's will is to bring us out of this into our land and set us free. That's what hope does. Let me move on quickly here. We're going to sow in hope, and we're going to trust God's providential care. Can I just tell you, hope is not passive. Hope is not wishful thinking. I, I hope it turns out okay. Hope is action-oriented. Hope rolls up her sleeves and gets to work. Hope sizes up the enemy and then jumps into the ring. I love this. You know, David wasn't out there. Oh, Goliath, you think you're so big, don't you? No, Goliath was really big. David was not there. You little shorty, you. No, no, he was huge. Faith and hope go together because hope just says, I see how big you are. It's going to be impossible for God to miss you. That's what, that's what he said. It's going to be impossible <laughs> for God to miss you. And then when you see the obstacle in front of you, you roll up your sleeves and you get to work. This is why I don't want to be focusing on Bad times in America. What are we going to do? Oh, no. Listen, this is what bold faith and pregnant hope do. You roll up your sleeves and you work. Oh, man, this, this is happening in the schools. We'll start our own. We'll homeschool. Oh, man, how are we going to get money? The economy is so bad. We'll trust God. He'll provide crazy resources for us and give us witty inventions. How, oh, I don't want to raise kids. Oh, let's have tons of kids at Living Stones. We're going to raise them up. They'll be deliverers for the next generation. That's what hope does. It sows, it sows, it sows, it sows. You sow, listen, you sow in hope. Every farmer that plants a seed plants the seed in hope. Some of you are saying, you know, Pastor, does this church believe that you have to tithe? No, please don't tithe out of duty. You'll ruin your seed. Are you kidding me? Do you? You get to sow. If you don't sow in hope, how can you expect a harvest during harvest season? Every week I write my tithe check out, and I do it with joy when it's, when it's my payday. I write it out, and I, when I'm writing it out, I'm writing it out in hope. Yes. 
I'm saying, God, it's a joy to steward what you've given me. And I sow it in hope. What am I doing? I'm getting ready for tomorrow and the next day and for my seed seed. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Do you, Pastor, do you have to tithe? Ugh, puke. Stop that kind of thinking. You don't have to do anything now that you're saved. You get the privilege of sowing in hope. Three people got a hold of that. All right, I'm praying, Lord, bless the rest. Therefore, Paul said, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, be immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord. In other words, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord, is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. Oh, that's so good. Why do you act that way? Because you're full of hope. You keep working. You keep sowing. Some, some of us, listen, some of us might not like what's going on politically in our nation. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Listen, who's getting a plan to change it? Like, I would like to think Living Stones would be raising up governmental leaders who move in the fear of the Lord and in the supernatural who love God and love the country and hear from God. How about like Daniel kind of like leaders that would be raised up in this place? Some of you have a governmental call. Let's start moving ahead. Or we can just go, oh my gosh, this last election, oh my God. Stop it! Let's get to work! Hope says let's get to work because this isn't the end. So many cry, oh my we're living in the end times. All oh, the Antichrist. Stop it! Some people have more hope for the Antichrist than for Jesus Christ. I'm serious. I, I'm I think about the Antichrist as much as I think about wearing a mask in public. I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go back and get a mask. Because it's not even in my mind. I'm sorry, that wasn't in the notes. Last point. <laughs> if I got carnal, forgive me. Last point, number five. We're going to live in light of eternity. We're going to live in light of eternity. This is why the second advent is so important. Man, I'm, we celebrate baby Jesus, but how many know baby Jesus already lived a sinless life, died, crucified, buried, rose again, and here's where we're at now. Christ is going to return. Yes. Ah. So listen, some of you have, have lost loved ones. And, and here's, here's my point. Feel the pain and feel the loss and grieve the loss. But can I just encourage you, make that pivot like Anna. And here's what I do. When I think about loss and pain and stuff that's going wrong in my life or in my family's life, I start focusing with my Holy Ghost imagination on the reality of what's coming. Jesus is the great restorer of all things. You know what? I think about my father. And I picture how the Lord is going to set up the reunion. Like, what's he going to do? I mean, no, God is the ultimate. He, he moves all these things. And he makes them come together perfectly. And I, I, I just wonder if Jesus is going to say, hey, Pastor Ron, come here, come here. We're, on a little, we're going to go on a little walk today. I don't know what that's going to look like, but here's what I'm talking about. The thought of, of how the Lord is going to restore the lost things should fill your heart with joy. Oh, my gosh. 
oh my gosh. I begin to focus with pregnant hope on what that's going to look like. I begin to focus on the beauty of the Messiah, blazing with light, eyes that are, are like fire, purity beyond belief, coming, coming as our conquering king. I begin to picture all of the wicked things that have been done, all the wicked people trembling before God Almighty. I, I picture Jesus coming back as a warrior and judging the living and the dead, and every verdict of his is perfect and right and true. And, and we celebrate all of that. We say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Everybody that's experienced injustice will have their justice perfectly met by Jesus the King. And then I picture, we've got people that lost children. We've got families that have lost babies. Oh, my gosh. We got people that have been murdered, people that have been raped, people that have gone through trauma. And I picture Jesus in his own beautiful way, healing and restoring things that were taken away, being brought back, things that were precious, that were robbed from people, people that had to watch their loved ones being beheaded or tortured or burned at the stake. And they had those memories that they lived with and the Lord says, come here. I want to heal your heart. I want to restore what the enemy stole from you. And I just have this feeling it's going to be like the ESPN top 10 plays of the week. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I think it's going to be one of these situations where the Lord just says, take a look at this. I want because here's what's going to happen. The Lord's going to show off his beauty and his kind heart, and his goodness, and everybody that suffered, or everybody, all those prayers that we might have prayed that we didn't see answered in this life. The person that didn't make it, or they, they passed away, or the people we prayed for, for healing, and maybe they didn't experience it the way we thought. But you know what? We're coming into a, a day when the full inheritance is ours. The new body, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no suffering, no pain. When all of our relationships are awesome. So you know what? We're going to live for that day. At Living Stones, we're going to live for that day. And you know what? We're going to picture ourselves as we live life here. We're going to picture ourselves standing before Jesus. We're going to picture ourselves finishing well. We're going to picture for ourselves living in the rough times, in the battle zone, living in such a way that the Lord's clear words over our lives are well done, you guys. Good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of your master. We're going to live like eternity is real, like Jesus is king, and that eternity is quickly approaching. And we're going to purify our hearts, and we're going to work on loving Jesus more than anything. Stand to your feet with me. I want to pray for you quickly. Oh. If you're in a need for some hope this morning, maybe you're in a desperate situation, I just want you to lift both hands. We want to pray over you this morning, all right? Just lift your hands up. There should be lots of you because I know these seasons can be tough. But we want to pray over you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to break a spirit of discouragement off of your bride this morning. Lord, we ask that depression and pain and bitterness and frustration and, and unbelief go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Let hope arise. Let hope arise in the hearts of your people, Lord.
Awaken us to the joy set before us. Awaken us in faith to see with fresh eyes. I pray, Lord, even as faith is awakening right now, Lord, you're catching the eyes and the hearts of your people. Lord, your, your attention is focused on people in this room right now. Lord, where there's been death this year and great grieving, we pray that you break off that spirit of grief right now. And Lord, that this season would be marked with joy and passion for the Son of God. Thank you for what's coming, God. Thank you for new mercies for today. Thank you for double blessing even now, your word said. Thank you for breakthrough. Thank you that we're moving into a season of blessing because uh, your hand is upon us, Lord. Father, thank you for prayers that we've had in our heart for years. Thank you that we're all the more closer to the realization and the fulfillment of those things. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We are truly prisoners of hope this morning. We thank you, Lord, and we honor you, and we pray. Now let the supernatural person of the Holy Spirit be released into every one of these situations. Lord, you have your way. You bring train, change. You bring transformation. We'll give you all the glory for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise.